Okay, Craig. Yeah, what's the, what's the point of this one? Yeah, well, I, I, was, I thought what we were talking about was your, the probats and your mods that you've done to it, and then also discuss other things. Um, but one really? of the. Like the meaning of life and stuff like that. No, so, no, not that. That's, what yeah, that's far too. <laughs> no, 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 that was the answer. We don't know what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> the meaning of, what is the meaning of life is the question. Um, no, they figured out that it was the wrong question. I, I get I understand it. I was just. <laughs> Kath, what did you want to say and talk about anything else? Uh, no, I just always find it interesting to chat to Craig, so I'm in, I'm in for the conversation. <laughs> well, I know that if we talk to Craig about anything, he'll have some opinions, so I'll focus on to one thing. And that is a, are you recording yet? So yes. I do want to get, okay, so just while it's on recording, whenever I speak, I reserve the right to disagree with myself in the future, if I hear myself again, do you understand? Know so, like, often I'm dogmatic about a point because it's just whatever. But I'm very, I'm very happy to be proved wrong, and very happy to change. So, I just wanted to give that disclaimer about the mods because often I do things that are above my head, um, just purely because I can't afford to pay someone to do them. So, if I've done them wrong for whatever, generally I think, I mean, for the most part, I'm right. I, I get think. your but point. I, I get yeah, you. It was just a disclaimer so that. If, as as uh, Tim Noakes says, fifty percent of what I say is right, and fifty percent of what I say is wrong. I just don't know which fifty percent. Nah, I think I can better than fifty percent. Well, I agree with that. I, I I'm a very pro Chemex person. When I first tried my very first Chemex, I hated it. So I was in the Scott Rob camp of Chemex. Then I started really playing with it. And I don't, I, what does Scott Rob say about Chemex? He hates it. Yeah. Really? Hates them. He says that they, they, you can't get the right extraction from them. You can't do this. You can't do that. He, he, if you want to go Google it, he, he has a full go at somebody on a forum about it. No, I understand what he's saying. I, I, get, I get that. Well, having spent four days without my Chemex, I came home and the first thing I did was make a Chemex. <laughs> I missed my Chemex. <laughs> Next time, I'm taking mm. it with me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay. But on Scott Rao's point, you're not drinking on Chemex, so you can get the correct TDS coffee repeatable time after time after time. You're doing it because you love it and you enjoy it, and that's still fun. Yeah, I mean, and also, I don't know if you saw that guy who won the Brewers Cup. He did the 40 60 thing, which he still like created himself. I've actually been trying that brew. It's really nice. It actually, it's amazing what you can actually do. You can increase your body. And, and Kath, by the way, there's no agitation, eh? So. It's right, right up my street. I'm not, I'm not even if it's up yours. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, uh, no problem. Uh, yeah, having a different opinion to all of you, actually. <laughs> well, I change my opinion all the time. It's, and, and just like yeah. Craig, I reserve my, reserve my right to change my opinion because I'm a human. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you hated naturals, and then I sent you one, and you really liked it, so... I could spot it. <laughs> but it was delicious. <laughs> Did it taste like safari peanuts? No. It was actually pretty tasty. But I was actually thinking about that. I still don't I still don't know so I guess the definition of speciality. Um like there has to be some level of consistency and I don't know that you can get consistency with so I'm not I never said that they were bad tasting coffees. I, I might have said that they were bad tasting coffees, but um you can definitely get nice tasting ones. Well, what I is. Think, you can't really. Sorry, you go for it. But it's the consistency of it that's a problem. No, but what is the definition of specialty? It depends on which, which book you're reading it up. If it's in the SCAA special definition, it scores by more than 80. If it's in the SCAE, although they're going to be the same thing, then it's a different definition. And then it depends on what. What? Did you guys see the, that they actually put out a, a questionnaire about uh, how you use your cupping form, the, the World's Coffee Research Organization? I saw it, but I didn't read it. So, but Yeah, you definitely need to go and have a look. <laughs> you definitely need to go and have a look, uh, see if you can actually still fill it in. It's uh, a survey monkey, survey, whatever. Okay, I'll take a look at it. Yeah. 
anyway, should we start on the on the discussion? Go for it. Um, so, Craig, uh, you can chime in anytime. Okay. Uh, when I last saw you, there was a probat in various forms of uh, disassembly in your garage. Take us yeah. through. Take us through your. I'm interested in the probat and what you did to it. I mean, I uh, and what you changed and what you didn't change and what you, your perspective, having been about it, disassembled the Deirdre and a probat and what you learned from it. So, the floor is yours. Um, okay, I'm busy searching Gumtree. It's in a row for those. I can't focus. Um, I'm trying to find stuff to buy. Um, so, firstly, where did you get your probat from, and how old is it, and what 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 was the nature of it when it arrived at you? I mean, could you turn it on and make it work, or? I didn't care about that. I didn't even turn okay. it on. I didn't care if it works. Um, did you not see it, Kath? I mean, apparently it was a cold serve. What? Apparently it was a maroon one, a cold serve. Do you not see that at some point? Is it the box one? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, now I have a picture of it. Now now you must tell me what you did to it. <laughs> okay, so the whole thing is um, I needed a bigger, I needed a bigger roast. Oh, it's a story of it's a story of my life and most things. So I need bigger things. I can't afford them. So I got to find them broke. Well, I got to find them at good prices and fix them up. So, um, so I can speak now. So if can I hear you guys? Yeah, I can hear you because you're clearer now. Yeah. Yeah. You, can you still hear me? Hear me fine. You're much clearer. Okay, no problem. These things suck. Um, well, my mic doesn't work, so. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So what I did is I found this probat on. Okay. So when I got to about, I'm doing about 500 kilos a month, 600 kilos a month through my, through my unbranded wholesale side, which is, so no one is allowed to buy the coffee that I use in the shop under my name, and never will be. So, but the unbranded side has grown quite quickly. Um, so what I did is I've been looking for years to find a nice probat. So the reason why probat really is half street, well not half, but it's portion street cred, portion build quality, portion resale. Um, I'm pretty convinced with modifications you can get the exact same roast out of most roasters, being it has grown to you, whatever. You know? I mean, it's, it's not like. I mean, Diedrich have got a pretty thin drum, and uh, I don't like their build quality too much, but you can do good stuff out with them. So it's not its not like the Probat that I could afford was going to be leagues ahead of anything else. I just like the fact that it's, was, it was 1982, and it was made in Germany, and it was, it's got cast piece. It's, it's really cool. So oh. I think I, I wanted it for that reason, and also the fact that I, mean, I bought it for 170 I probably put about close to 200 into it, and it's... I mean, it's better than what a pro that's going for now. Can't you would know better. Yeah, twenty-five is over a bar. Over a bar. Hmm. About a twelve. Uh, that I don't know. I would I would imagine in the region about seven hundred and fifty thousand. Well, I remember when I was at Dietrich, um, Stephen said that they peg the twelve kg roaster to the twelve kg. Probat, and then they work backwards from there. Um, so I know the 12 kg Dedrick is about 800 grand now. So um, I would assume the, the Probat's about the same. Ways that I would, I mean, I could even before that. So I, I needed a bigger roaster. So I found this one on Gumtree, uh, Christo from Vault Coffee um, in Cape Town, and uh, it was 130 grand at the time. And I was like, so I, I, I try to get money from people I know. Um, with the lease strings attached, and finally I was like, "Cool, I can I can get I can afford this thing." Um, and he wouldn't sell it at 130. So I was like, oh, "I was done. I was done." No, he he decided against it because I mean, in right rightfully so. I mean, it's worth way more than 130 if you if you if you can do something to it. You know, I mean, selling that roaster. 
what do you, I mean, if you, if you sell a roast of 130 grand, a program, um, and you, 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 because you wanted to buy a, another roaster, well, if you wanted to start roasting, you can't really, and what are you going to find, you know? So he's completely right by not wanting to sell it, but I was not really happy with that decision. So how did you um, buy it then? Well, I flew down to Cape Town and asked him how much he wanted for it. Oh. Um, and he settled on sort of 170. And then I was like, that's fine. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. I'll buy that. Why, so, was, he, why was he selling it? Was he upgrading or? No, he, because the buyers and sell stuff. He's, I mean, he's, he's really good. He's done a really amazing job on a linear. If you go on Gumtree, type in linear, yeah. you see he's done amazing woodwork. And so he buys and sells equipment. Um, um, but in its current state, it wasn't worth, I mean, I don't even care if it worked. I mean, it was like a three phase, um, element powered roaster. Um, it's, yeah. So it was electrical. Yeah, it was. Mm. For a 12 kg. Yeah. Yeah. So they must have drawn some serious power. No, I mean, we just got out of load shedding. If I freaking turn that thing on again, we will be back right back in it. So I thought it would be a bad idea to even try. So, I mean. So, I mean, when I get machines like that, like when I bought, I bought a, a 2008 Lamb Resort a GB5, I bought anything that is well made. I don't really care if it works. I mean, it's like, I'm, it's not, I, mean, I know it's possible that it would work. I mean, so whether it, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, if you care, if it, if it doesn't turn on, it means, the, I mean, at worst case scenario, you're sitting with like 40 grand you need to put into it. So all I needed was a solid structural thing that I could that I could work with. So I, I got the roaster. Um, Johan and Cape Town went and packed it for me. It looked like a Durex advert. It was like so much plastic on that thing. It was brightening. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I got it sent up here by some dumbasses on a truck, and they almost they took it to the back of the truck, and a portion of the roaster was on the truck when the when the hydraulic lift went down, and it started tipping and it almost crushed the guys oh. underneath it. And I was like, it's just a bad day in my life. It was probably one of the worst. Well, no, it wasn't the worst day. The worst day was after that. <laughs> but anyway, I got the roaster and then I literally just uh, just took tons of photos and just drew up schem- like a basic schematic of what hard put- was put together and whatnot. And then I just had took my tools and just dismantled it. Um, and I stripped it to... You know, I, one problem I did come across was uh, um, the circlip that hold. Okay, so you know, like a, a coffee roasting drum is held on one point. Well, it's it's held between two bearings, and it's located by moving the drum forward and backwards to control the distance between the the face of the drum. You know, that? like a DJ's got yeah. um, a back plate and a face plate. And the drum is completely open on both sides. Where Probat has got only a, like a faceplate, and the, the back is perforated. So, yeah. a DJ is possible that it will scrape the back of the drum and the front of the drum. Where a Probat's only going to be scraping the front of the drum. Okay. So, so um, as you're moving the the shaft backwards and forwards, isn't that right? Because that's the drums attached to the shaft. Yeah, so I mean, uh, with the probat, you could you could move it as far as f- the drum. The beans will never fall out the back because the back is closed and it's perforated. And at end, you got you probably got a travel distance of like five, 50 mil at the back. It's there's no way, there's no ways it can go that far back. Um, yeah, where where a DJ has held. Fin- so again, okay. The fins make make sure that it's actually all the coffee's moving forward and not backwards. So it works like a screw. Uh, the, the, fin, the fins do that, but uh, what I'm saying is the DJ is open on both sides. The drum the drum is open on both sides. It's a completely hollow cylinder with fins. Okay. Okay. And a probat has got um, a closed back. Oh, uh, okay. You got that? Yep. Okay. I think Scott's got it. Yes. <laughs> I got it. It's like, yes, it's like you broke it in fixtures more times than I could even. I mean, you're very better at this than I am, so you should know. Um, anyway, <laughs> one problem I had, also, and you would. You fixed the roast. Okay. I did say broken and fixed. <laughs> okay, I, did, I did say broken and fixed. But okay, cool. Never mind. So, um, 
which are the, the circular pads at the front, uh, the, the drum on the front. I took the circular off, um, and then I started unscrewing the, the collar so that I could remove that. But the collar, the, the shaft was so seized on the on the bearing, and it was completely due to my stupidity. I mean, I should have, I should have thought further ahead than I was thinking. Um, I was hoping that, that it would eventually give, but the cast faceplate was the first one to give. And I did, I put a like a twenty centimeter crack on the one side, and about a five centimeter crack on the other side of the faceplate. That's when was, I yo. that's when I met you. That's when I when yeah, I came down. You had just done that. Yeah, that was the, that was the absolute worst day of my life. That was like a sleeping tablets, or two sleeping tablets, and a glass of whiskey and a bed, and go to bed at like six o'clock in the evening. Like I wasn't willing to face the rest of the day. Um, anyway, so after that, I I, um, I took that to specialist welders and had that uh, welded up. Um, so once all that had done, then I started. So the rebuild is basically this: is like what I wanted to do was put it in better than brand new condition back together. So I powder coated every part that wasn't the sides, the faceplate, the back plates. Um, and some of the smaller parts. So that was all powder into like a powder coated into a ferrogram black finish. And the other parts, like the back plates, the face plate, um, or the circular face plate and the square face plate, the uh, um, the door of the roaster, the I don't know what else, all those things I had done like a Teflon based um, uh, food grade high temperature baked on spray. Um, so the same as my DD, it's the same, it's the same thing I've done there. So basically that is like, I mean, it's not, um, why did you do that? Just yeah. for, for good looks or because, or because of the Durban air? No, it's good. No, not good looks. Just like, you can't really powder coat the inside. You can't powder coat the inside of the drum because or the inside of the face plate because it's going to, it's not food safe and the fumes oh. goes bad. And this is smooth and, and also, I think one of the best mods I did for functionality was actually was Teflon coat the fan wow. as well. So it never gets any chaff stuck on it. That's a clever idea. Um, I'm full of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was good. Yeah, so that, that was, all those parts are Teflon coated. So it was, it was nice and it was actually like a military grade stuff I did. And Sorry, can I just ask, um, was, was that expensive to actually, to actually Teflon? Yeah, that was great. Well, like 15, 20 grand. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. And that's that's like a friend rate, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Because, because they're based, they do it based on like kilograms as well. And you, you walk in there with like freaking 100 kilograms plus worth of cast iron stuff. It's just like, it's just difficult. Would you recommend yeah. Teflon coating uh, fans? I mean, it's, it's now you've got me thinking. Oh, definitely. Hands down. I'll never do. I'll never not do it. Yeah, it makes sense to me, specifically on the on the small Dedrick with the that irritating fan. To, that's a very irritating fan to clean. The, yeah, you wish you got the same one, eh? That little yeah, spinning one. Yeah, fancy oh, spin. Terrible fan. So yeah, that was a good mod. And then then other mod. Okay, so once I'd got the thing together as a structure, so like. And then, with a rule of thumb, with all every, every any mod I do, there's always like every nut and bolt is replaced with stainless steel ones. Um, you just like I just generally overspec things, just so that it's never going to get problems. Again. I mean, so much Can so. I, I mean, I, yeah, go for it. Ask what what's what is the insulation like on on that machine? So I think it, was, it must be an asbestos that I took out. But I crammed more ceramic wool in that thing than I probably should have. Um, okay. So it's just like a cuckload of ceramic wool. As much like I could that I could literally force into the housing around the around the heat shield of the drum. I did. Um, so able to take it. I mean, it's not like you were able to very neatly lay a blanket over. It just sounds like you. I did. Lay like... I did. I did lay blankets, but the problem is like, if you, if you follow like a half moon curve, you'll only ever get a half moon curve. You still got to do like you still got to make. There's still 
Okay, so you've got a square roaster. Okay, half-moon curve will only apply in your scenario where you've got a, an L-series, where it is a half-moon. The entire roaster is like... Oh, well, not half-moon, it's... Uh, oh, yeah, you still got to fill the gaps. Mine is square. With a um, in its yeah. I don't know what story is on overseas. I'm just dropping connection. I must be. I'm um, back now. The name prison, it's, it really is, a, it's like a demo machine, so it's still owned by them, but I will buy from them. Um, but a lot of my lineage, I've, I've sold, what is it, two weeks ago, in the last month I've sold one one group linear to house, two GS3s, and one linear mini. Um, and generally I'll bring the guys to my house and show them my setup, so that was for the reason to put in my house. It's easier to sell something to someone if you haven't, actually. Did you cut the? We got we finished with the whole like I'm square, you round, you half circular thinker. You got that? Yeah, I did. Okay. that, yeah. Um, so okay, after I've done that, so everything is still, I mean, standard still, uh, all the nuts and bolts, all the thread, the threading that holds the face plate to the back plate, um, is all that. And then, so once the roaster was together structurally, um, uh, I had a new. I made a new collar for the um, for the front. You know, threaded collar that you adjust the where the drum is going to be. Okay. You make a whole new one. Yeah, that one was. Uh, that one was like, oh, yeah, it was terrible. Um, yeah, win and die just making. It. What about the bur- um, burners? What did you uh, make guess. it out of? Um, old steel. Okay. Yeah, it was a test one, but I'm actually keeping it. It's quite fine. I'm not going to do stainless just yet. So, the, okay, so the, the once once everything was together, um, and then, so you know those roasters have got a big flap on the side of all the electronics, with all the big switches? Yeah. So, you know, so I, 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 cut, I took that out, and then I cut a big hole in that, and laser cut, then welded stainless steel, then, then stuck that on there with a new design, so now I've got like a key ignition start just to do like something get out and I'm not there. Um, and then first switch turns on elect- electrics to the entire roaster, which means that the the two PID controllers, which are really just temperature readouts, are just overspected. Um, the the lights, the everything gets power apart from the motor and the gas valve. The second switch turns on. Um, the motor, which turn, which drives everything, then the third switch turns on the gas, uh, which ignites it to to pilot level, and then, and then the other switch uh, sends a twenty four volt signal to the rest to the gas transformer, which gives it full flame. And then it, I'm using Genio's burners. I'm using the same one he uses on his fifteen kilo. Oh, so you, d- um, you replaced the probes? Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that was element. So that's oh, on my of water. Course. Oh. Okay, so this is just as I, so as I did literally did that, and then I put a, I spent like a ridiculous amount of money on a stainless steel needle valve and everything else. So that basically, before the burners, I've got a massive needle valve and a gauge coming out the side of the roaster, giving me accurate um, millibar pressure to the burners. And then to the burners, yeah. are those just uh, are those just flat burners? Yeah, they, I think they're, they're burners. They're like basically his Genio Six Tumbler two. Oh, okay. And do they, they do, does do you operate them separately, or is it just a one unit? It's one. So I mean, Neil um, has basically taken it and just welded a bigger manifold onto two, and then made it a, a longer one. So yeah. this is one okay, disclaimer gotcha. when I spoke about it in the beginning. I okay. So in my unqualified opinion, you only get two types of heat. You get convection and conduction heat. Doesn't matter how you get it or what it is. What burners they have? It's it's just a different. It's just a blend. It's just either more of the one, less of the other, whatever the case may be. So obviously, an element is going to give you very much convection heat, where it literally is just hot air rising up, being sucked through, um, which is never going to give you scorching. I can't I can't imagine we ever gets scorching on a on an element um, roaster if the elements are far enough away from the drum that you're not going to burn the. It's not going to touch the metal. So my problem is that I mean the it was made for that um, that element. 
So Neil's, um, <sighs> Neil's the burners were too close, um, and they were just causing scorching. And uh, the problem, problem then is that I've either got to, to get to a first crack time that I'd want, I've either got to drop batch size, um, because yeah. if I drop the bar pressure, it makes the roast longer. Um, yeah, so it was just a... So the next mod was... So you okay, did, was sorry, you didn't think about making the burners movable? I did. That was the next mod. Oh, okay. <laughs> After, okay, so before, so before that, I put two probes in. I put, obviously, two probes, and I wired up Cropster, and I put a, I made a control panel in front with the two PID controllers, which just do readouts, but they actually are linked to the relay, which controls the gas valve. So if it does go over that temp, over a set temperature, which I put on there, it just kills the the solid state relay, which shuts the gas down as a safety. Just, so, just yeah. On a our on our probat uh, L12, it's a 2004 model. We've got a we've got a, an air pressure uh, fail fail safe. So basically, if the fan's not working, the whole thing shuts down. Yeah. So do you did you have anything like that on yours, and have you put it have you put it back in? No, I didn't have any arc out of mine. I didn't have any safety of mine. Um, I will put one of those in at some point um, when I'm not operating the roaster. Okay. But I think those are manufacturer sets. Um, no, they're adjustable. Trust me. <laughs> no, no, they, no, they are actually. Well, they will be. They could be adjustable because it must be a spring on a diaphragm. But um, it's just those are safeties. I mean, it's a similar to a safety on a gas thing, but. That would only be a problem if your machine is dirty or if your fan's not turning. And if I'm operating the roaster, I mean, I can. I know if the fan's dirty. If I know if the fan's turning, and I guarantee it's not dirty. So right now, it's something I can't afford to do, but I will do it at some point. Um, anyway, so on the next mod of so then then what I did is I took out the the, the I took out where the where the element sat on. There's a big flat plate. I took that out, I redrew it, and I laser cut it out of three mil thick mild steel with a big hole in the middle to house the burner. And I made brackets to the burner and put the, it all on threads. So now I can adjust the burner and the roast without actually going into it. Just by moving, like, but just by tightening and loosening a bolt at the bottom, it raises and lowers the burner. Um, but there was still a problem with that because. Um, number one, the lower you put the burners, the closer they were to the cooling tray, which means the, the slower your cooling was happening and the better your roasting was happening. So what, just explain that again to you. The lower you put your burners, the closer they are to the cooling trail. So then your cooling trail is getting, getting hot. Yes. Okay. So it's, I mean, hot, the, it's like, the, the cooling tray is like a third of the way into the roaster. Okay, that makes sense. So that was one thing, and then the other thing. You couldn't was put that insulation underneath the burners to stop that from happening. It's mm. that close to the cooling tray, ah, okay. and also it is so difficult to put insulation there because you got. And I'll tell you what I did, which worked it worked well. But I, I, you know, there was the the problem with insulation there is like well, you got all this like flipping, furry ceramic wool, and is it going to go into which side? So you can't obviously have the burner side because it's It'll it'll get dirty and all the chaff will go into it and that'll start lasting up, and you can't put it the other side because that'll go into your coffee beans. So you got to either put it between two metal plates, and it, it just got like annoying. So that was one thing. Then the other problem is that the lower the bur- the bur- the flame was creeping into the back of the drum. It was getting sucked into the back. Of- it was like licking the back of the perforated plate and causing okay. some scorching there. Um. So the next the next thought was to to create a heat to create a heat shield over half of the left, so basically half of the burners. So either the left or the right-hand side of the burner, all the way along, following the same circumference as the drum, slightly like two miles away, 20 miles away from it, just to just so that half of the burner was touching the drum completely and the other half of the burner was going to environmental flames because I was getting scorching. That was the main problem. Oh, okay. Um, and like there was a chance that could work or couldn't work. So the, um, and then I did a lot of reading on, on different, unlike the newer probates got double walls on their drums. Um, but isn't that a cost on German, that one? 
I don't think ProBats have ever had the cast iron drums. The old ones did. I think it's a, it's a cast iron face. It's a it's a mount steel drum on all the way across. It's just a cast iron face. So the the front ring is cast iron, like the the front ring, but everything else is, is mount steel. Okay. No, so I think the older ones, so older than like um, like I'm sure sixties, sixties sure and fifties were. Those were, those were cast iron, yeah. Yeah, those are the ones I know of. Yeah. So this one's a mild steel on the side. Um, so my problem, uh, so what I, what I ended up doing is um, to sort the, uh, also the problem is the chaff was now falling. So the, the, some of the stuff, like the chaff in the drum was falling down and dropping into the cooling tray because directly above it. Okay. And then sometimes lighting. Sure. So I did two things. I, one, I made like a like an angled uh, tray, which has got wing nuts in the front. You can just slot in, slot out above the above the cooling tray and below the burner. That goes all the way to the back. And that does two things. Because of the polished side is the way up, it reflects heat away from the cooling tray, like exceptionally well, actually, and keeps the chaff collected in there and that's just removed and vacuumed. And then for the burners, instead of just attempting the um the burner shield, I just I got the motor and just took the drum out and welded a second sleeve over it. So I put a like a two mil thick um mild steel sleeve five millimeters away from the drum all the way around it. A double so basically a double wall drum now. Yeah, but I extended it <clears throat> fifty mils past the drum at the back. So that it's not going to lick into the drum anymore. Okay. How did how did so, you attach that to the, to the drum? Uh, welded it. So I welded it at different points, not not at every point, but at uh, yeah. Um, back I basically, fronts, it's kind of in the uh, middle as well. Welding. Spot welded on like on the front face or on the front. Um, it's difficult right. to explain. Um, yeah, it's. I need to show you a drawing. I didn't do it myself. I took it to. I took it to a metal fabricator in Panta. Um, I was bouncing ideas with him for about a week, and then, and then I gave him. Um, I took the drum down to him, and I told him what I wanted to do, and he sort of did it all for me. I wouldn't trust myself to. I could do well like our building, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, and that works incredibly, and that's that's been the biggest help because I mean the problem I couldn't actually my gas pressure above like ten millibar without getting massive scorching. Okay, that makes sense. To me. So yeah, um, what else? I mean that's that's um, then the next thing is to buy a cyclone or make one. Um, and do variable airspeed versus analog because right now the airspeed is controlled with a big shaft, which is very annoying. A big what? Um, because your because your air, your airflow is controlled, your fan spins the same RPM regardless. Yeah. Um, your airflow is controlled by a slot being opened and closed, right? Yeah, that's right. Same thing with the probe. And um, the problem. Well. The problem, yeah. Go ahead. Do you want to say something, Gav? No. So the problem with that, like my problem with those things is like I, I can give temperature. I've got two temperature numbers. I've got a millibar reading and I've got a, I've got a temperature uh, Celsius or Fahrenheit reading. Um, on, a, on the airflow, all I've got is a lever that is somewhere – you know, I put markings on it, but just somewhere. You know, it's not like it's. I can't quantify it. I can't. I can't. I can repeat it based on what it is, assuming that, assuming everything I was, assuming everything's the same. You know, assuming the extractor fan is pulling at the same rate. So what I'm doing now is I've got another hole in the drum, which in the front, which I've just plugged for now, and then I put a negative, um, a negative gauge on there, or 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 pressure inducer that I'll be able to read a negative pressure, so I can monitor the suction on the drum, and then um, I'll have a, a variable speed drive driving 
the fan for that. But That's the next two. Has it got two. two fans? It's got one for now. Oh. It's, 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 it's a DJ, pretty much, literally. It's got a one fan doing absolutely everything, and you're just splitting air between drum and cooling drum. Is that normal for a probat? Yeah. I always thought the probat was two fans. No, well, the new ones I'm sure would have. I, mean, I can't imagine any newer roaster. I can't imagine any expensive, high-end newer roaster having one fan. It doesn't make sense. Except for the Diedrich. Yeah, you well, know, that, that question, that's, yeah. But Stevens an aeronautical engineer, so that's, that's why he prides himself in air efficiency. You know, you know aeronautical means like, that's what they do, like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> at the end, I mean, you never roasted on the, the, the probate before, but you're pretty happy with the results? I am. I'm very happy. I think I'm still, well, I mean, I'm, I'm never really happy with anything. So, like, I always, I always will change. Like, so if the linear arrives at my house at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm already researching the first modification I can do to it. <laughs> so, like, I'll never be completely. I think, you know, roasters are made, even like, I'm, I'm designing an espresso machine now. So, even my espresso machine that I put out will be my opinion of an espresso machine. It'll be, it'll be what I want it to be like, you know? And it'll be what I want. And Probat, Diedrich, Genio, they, I mean, I think Genio is quite customizable, which is nice. But I think a lot of the, like I said to Dylan Cummings just now, he phoned earlier, he's, he's busy rebuilding a Probat. And I said to him that, um, you know the whole Maxwell Dashwood's uh, thing on water? That you're actually roasting your coffee to the water that you're drinking it with? Yeah. Kathy, you got that? Yep. In the same way with our roasting, like, I mean, people with a has guarantee roast in a certain style that they can on has guarantee or their has guarantee. Like, you, Warren, with your Diedrich, you roast in a certain way and style, and that's why your coffee tastes the way it does and why someone else tastes the way they does. And um, I agree. I call it the fingerprints of the roaster. Yeah, so I think... And I'm, I am just figuring out what I want this roaster to do, um, so that I can, because I mean I think the, this roaster was designed in a, in a year and a time like 1982. Obviously, there was science and technology was based on a thing, but I think they just I think I'm imagining probably in those days. Just wanted to make solid workhorse German roasters. You know, I don't think that were I mean it wasn't like it is now. We're not we're not trying to figure out how to mute certain things and how to highlight other things and how to brush through mail reactions and do, so like their roaster was just made incredibly well and all that's all I wanted. I wanted a shell of a roaster that would not die so I could do what I wanted. Um, but what roasting technologies change in comparison to espresso machines and grinders from what you've seen? I mean, what has really changed? What do you mean in roasters? Yeah, I mean, the, yes, you've got double walled and you've got... But besides, um, what's changed? I mean, look, look at the newer roasters. I've forgotten its name. One of the L. Uh, uh, Luren. Yeah, the, the Luren, yeah. Um, um, that's, I, I don't I mean... This is just, I mean, I don't know much about, I mean, I only know what I've worked on, um, but having a technical mind, just imagining what, um, I would, okay, a lot of manufacturers would, okay, so some manufacturers would design a roaster with very few parameters that you could change, like a linear mini. So Linear Mini is a perfect example of an incredible ro uh, machine manufacturer designing a machine that takes all the – it's actually – the what's so nice about Linear Mini is that it almost takes you back to when you didn't know as much as you do now and you enjoyed coffee more because you had less variables to play with. Yeah. So 
Learning money is fantastic at that. Obviously, it's got the temperature, the size you can change, and, and it is analog as well, which is which helps as well. Because so so many times, like we flipping, we're looking at numbers of look at a flipping TDS reading and a, this reading and that reading, and you try and decipher taste based on that. And where the linear money just it's just it takes away those variables. I think a lot of roasters are like that, and it, and I I think a lot of heads guarantees are like that. A lot of the entry level roasters really are just uncustomizable from the word. From the word go, it doesn't mean they're bad roasters. It just means that, I mean, so this roaster was flame on. Well, it wasn't flame on. So the old probats was flame on, flame off. That's it, you know, or half flame, full flame. So if your if your one flame is control, if your one switch controls one third and your other switch controls two thirds, you can either have thirty three percent by holding the one in, or you could switch it off and have sixty seven percent, or you could switch that off. Um, and you you could have um, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's, you, that they took away. There wasn't that many variables to play with. I think a lot of the guys nowadays want to play with variables. So now, where Didrix have got like one fan controlling this, you might find other roasters will have a a drum speed fan, a, a drum fan that is variable, and a airflow fan that is variable, and burners that are adjustable, and a the roaster color which changes based on the mood that you're in and like that was a joke you should have laughed um, <laughs> like the, I don't know I, I don't know based on I don't know the new roasters I'm just imagining what I would imagine all the roasters nowadays would just be giving people just a lot of options what so they can decide what roasting style they want because Diedrich uh, Stephen has has been hell bent on Slow start, fast finish. You know, that's him. It's like that's what he believes in, and he believes it tastes better, and that's and he's stuck to that. Um, but you can get around that in the Deirdre, because we we do a fast start on some of our coffees. You can. The problem with that, based on batch size, is that with a thin wall, um, a fast start could cause scorching very early on. Yeah, you got to be careful of that. But if so you, that's where you got that's where you got to drop your batch size. Yeah, but if you control your charge temperature. And you control when you put your flame in. That's what we've been playing with. Yeah. Anyway, it's something we, we've been playing with in the last six months, and we actually find some very interesting results. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so can I just, in everything, so you asked about like roasting technology and that kind of thing. So even with espresso technology and uh, grinder technology and all that kind of stuff, and even things like the TDS readings and that kind of thing, it, it's really about... I don't know that it's that it's actually changed. Uh, I mean, it definitely has changed the way we roast and the way we taste. But I think it's it's more about understanding what we're tasting when we taste it. Um, and I, I think it's the same for it. I'm, I, I'm completely all for that stuff. With the roaster, what? No, I'm, with everything. I'm, I'm I I want to know as many possible numbers over any. So I'm not against any of those things. Um, no, I didn't. Say, sorry, oh yeah, I didn't sorry. Say, I didn't, um, no, that's, that's not what I'm. On how you mean it. Say again. Because I can't see your face. I don't know if you're smiling or looking at me with a middle finger while speaking. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, it's really it's really not about um, so all of that just gives you data, which is a, I think is where you were going to go. So it gives you got data to actually understand what you're tasting and and why you're either enjoying the coffee or not enjoying the coffee. Or um, yeah, it it really just helps you to get better. So even all of these mods that you've that you've done to this roaster um, are really just about capturing as much information as you can. So, so that things, so that you can make great tasting coffee, really. All I want from a roaster is ability to change variables and the ability to do it again. Like, so repeatability and changing variables is all I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so every mod I've done is completely reversible. Um, the, even the welding, the second sleeve, it's like... That's all I was a bit hesitant to do. So I, made, I, did, I, I welded. Well, I got the guys to weld in such a spot way that it's pretty easy to take off. Um, because 
yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just, I just play and. <laughs> but isn't that progress? Progress is trying something, and if it doesn't work, going backwards. There's any progress, but I think I'm, I'm hesitant to, like, hesitant to. Um, uh, I'm hesitant to take a loudspeaker and say this is how it should be done because I don't quite know actually. Um, but I think I'm pretty happy with the roast, the mods I've done. I think, um, I mean, so if, if there's a, like a advice thing now with to whoever's going to be listening to this, how many listeners, how many listeners do you actually have? Um, that's, I don't actually know. It, it depends on the podcast. The, no, it's not a million. <laughs> I think it's in the hundreds. Yeah. So I think it's too technical. We keep getting told it's too technical and we don't do enough biogra- biographical information. And I always feel, say to people, if you need to know who the person is speaking and not interested in what they've got to say, then there's something wrong with that, that equation. Rather be interested in what people have to say than rather know who they are. Yes, you can say, well, there's a base that I, you know, I want to know where does this guy come from and what knowledge does he got. If the knowledge is not good, you'll know. Uh, I, I find that these podcasts waste too much time on. Hi, I'm Todd, and my name is, you know, I just started a coffee shop in da 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 da, and I invented a, a tamping technique where I go around instead of straight. I mean, who cares? It doesn't really matter. What matters is the information in the podcast is information interesting and yes everybody complains this podcast is too technical and can't we do something that's not so technical that's what i'm interested in and as i said without zane uh, and cut like he's on board zane and i talk about this shit so we want to talk about technical stuff and uh maybe this is too technical i don't know but i'm interested in what you have to say also, if, if you're looking at like Dumbing it down, you shouldn't have spoken to me. Exactly, and you know what? If they don't want to listen to it, they mustn't. <laughs> I think. If, if, okay, so a shout out to all. If you have a roaster out there, yeah. Number one, if you don't have probes, put probes in. Put a probe that measures. Yeah. It's important to put a probe that measures bean temperature. Um, number two, if you, if if your roaster is steady enough to have a ball valve controlling your gas, put a needle valve in. And like that's all Diedrichs out there. Every Diedrich that I've ever seen has got a ball valve to control gas. And if you don't understand what a ball valve is, a ball valve is it's like a it's like a, a it's like a plumbing valve, like one underneath your sink. So how it works is if you know, I suppose it's a podcast, I'm trying to show freaking Warren on, on the screen. <laughs> um, a ball valve basically um, works like a hip. It's very difficult to get accurate things in a ball valve. Because if you move a millimeter you get X. If you move two millimeters, you don't get X plus X, you get X plus three. And then if you move four millimeters, you get X plus eight. Because the further you move, the bigger the the bigger the thing is. So a needle valve is a lot more precise. If number one, get probes. Number two, you put a needle valve in. Um number three I don't know what number three is. Well, I find it interesting on both the roasters. Okay, you had to do it in this probe, but on both the roasters that you modified, you've done something to the burners. Well, the problem with the Dijuk's burners is that the Dijuk's burners on the I ha- that I have, both, have you got the R3? The yeah, I've got the 2.5 and the 12. So your roasters are bang in the middle of the drum. Yeah. Both of them are dead center in the middle of the drum. So the problem with like an infrared burner heating a drum up at that distance away from the drum is that the same band of the drum so, like, is getting heated twice. So, like, it goes past the one burner and it goes past the other burner. Mm. I was, if I wanted to do increase heat to the degree I wanted to, I would get scorched on the beans again because if the bean is on in the middle band, it would go past burner one, heat, like, and go past burner two and heat up. So, what I did is I, I pushed the one burner as far forward as I could and then I reversed the other burner and pushed as far back as I could, which pretty much gave me, I mean, the burners were, I'm going to do this for you on the screen one. So the burners were, that's the drum. Yeah. The burners, I basically did that. Yeah. I, I get that. So, and I actually understand. I mean, when I read your forum post, it made sense to me. Um, but don't you think the Diedrichs are relying more, more on the heat sink than, the, than on, the, on the heat to the, to the, the barrel? 
What's a heat sink? The heat sink on top of the the barrel. Oh, the fins. Yeah. Oh, mine didn't have fins, but I did make fins for it. Oh, really? Because that's to me the big difference between the twelve and the the three, the two point five we've got. The twelve, the heat sink actually roasts the coffee on the on the two point five. Well, the heat, the, the heat does. Just add more thermal. Yeah. The heat sink just convection more metal mass. Yeah. Hot. The problem is the infrared burners. Infrared heats object, not air. Yeah. So if your your infrared burner is heating your drum a lot. Mm. Okay. Um, and just in my experience with my roaster, I didn't like it, and then I. I changed it and it worked a whole whack load better. Like, um, okay, so Diedrich's whole thing of like slow start, fast finish works on our in the three kilogram because if you did a fast start, you'd scorch the coffee yeah. if if you put the right amount of kilograms in. So by moving the burners around, I'm, I'm an, I'm a, I can do a faster start. Um, I don't think you're going to get scorching at like the end of the roast because the bean temperature is already very high anyway. Mm, mm, mm. It's just the beginning of the roast I think is very evident. Correct. So I think that your summary is pretty good. Basically, probes, uh, gas are the two the two biggest mods that you recommend. Well, probes, gas, and also safety. If your roaster hasn't got a freaking safety function, if your roaster does not cut out at a certain temperature, it's like that's like freaking first thing you do, I think. In, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that the the safety stuff is something that's always neglected. But the the Diedrich stuff's a bit anal about the safety stuff. I don't know what the probates are like. Cut. I think the deuce is your roaster a hundred and ten volt or two twenty volts. Two twenty. Is it a 50 hertz or 60 hertz? It's, uh, it was made for South Africa, so that'll be 60 hertz, isn't it? No, 50 hertz. 50, 50 hertz. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the guys, a lot of the problems with guys who got Diedrichs in this country running it on 100, so they've got, they're buying 110 volt 60 hertz machines from the States. They're running it on 100, and, they're running it on 220 volts here with 50, with 50 hertz. So they're, they're losing 10 hertz. Um, in, that isn't check this. How do I work that? That's is that fifty divided by sixty? No, it'll be the difference. So it'll be Yeah, so it'll be oh. uh, that's eighty percent. Uh so seventeen percent. Yes. So everyone who's roasting on a on a on a roaster okay, so hypothetically, if a if a fan is spinning at a thousand RPM, okay. You get a certain amount of suction out of it. Yeah. So that's that's, and that fan is rated to do a thousand RPM in a country that gives you sixty hertz uh, power. Or, yeah, sixty hertz. You move that to a country that does fifty hertz. You're now to eighty three percent of that thing. So now your instead of your fan spinning at a thousand RPM, it's now spinning at eight hundred and fifty RPM. Assuming that you bought the one that was made in the U the U US because the when you ask for the proper 220 volts, they fix this, yes. Well, it depends on the hertz, actually, not on the voltage. But No, but I mean, um, when you order the machine for the yeah, use... I'm, I'm assuming that would have switched say that. Yeah. But for me and Legato and, 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 and... Many others. <laughs> many others, they have this thing. So the problem is that their roasters continually start cutting out because there's a lack of airflow. You know the whole the yes. airflow thing you about cut? Yeah. Theirs is cutting out what? just because... No, not probate. So, so your probate will cut out if the airflow is not high enough, right? Yeah. Okay. So Diedrichs have the exact same thing built in, but Senau, it's Senau, anything, anything less than 600 RPM, 600 airflow, hypothetically, it would think is dangerous and cut out. Um, in America... With your roaster running on a 60 hertz thing, your fan is spinning at a thousand RPM, and everything's hunky dory. You can get a dirty, you can get 20% um, loss of airflow through the roaster because of dirtiness or whatever the case would be, and you're sitting at 800, and you and you fine, you still 200 above the cutout point. In this country, you're starting at 830 because you are on 50 hertz, not 60 hertz. So you you do the exact same thing as in America. You lose twenty percent of because of dirtiness or whatever the case would be, and you don't. It's six hundred and your roaster cuts out. Mm. Yeah. 
I get I get that. Um, yeah. So what I've done in mine is I, I've I've um, changed the well not the fan but I've changed the cogs on my Diedrich to accommodate for the Hertz loss. Yeah. The the barrel speed. Yeah, or barrel and cooling tray and all everything that everything that you know, I've just increased the cog size by seventy percent. Okay. Or decreased it. You know. Did you also change your Diedrich's gas to needle? Yes. Okay. You have to. I think if you... I actually haven't done that all, so I must look at look at it. The problem is, I mean, mine, mine didn't even have. Has yours, has yours got a gauge? Yes. Mine didn't even have a gauge. It's like, I mean, you're you're roasting blind completely, like, like, yeah. Well, I don't know how you roast without that gauge. To be totally honest, I need that gauge. No, no, I, no, I have no idea. Well, I didn't. Even, I never did. The first thing I did was put needle on there. Oh. I didn't even, yeah. Okay, so if it's got a gauge, it's a needle hole. No, no, no. Oh. But so no, but see, but you okay? So your roaster, um, um, when you if you move that lever in the front of your roaster, yeah, you, you realize how finicky it is. Like you might, you might jump like ten millibar with a fraction of the movement of the lever of the of the lever. Yeah, it's sometimes a little bit exponential. Yes, I have noticed that. So that's a needle valve is exactly just the opposite of that. A needle valve, I've probably got to go three full revolutions. Okay. I've I've probably got to go ten revolutions to go from twenty millibar to zero. Okay. So it's very very. Um, so, so that makes sense to me because uh, you know if we if I'm if if I'm roasting at um, two on the roaster, my valve is at two. If I'm roasting at six on the roaster, my valve is at four. But if I roast it at, um, at, have you got an electronic valve? Have you got an electronic? The, the little the it's, um, pot, you know the pot. If, you, if I put the pot to full, then my valves, then my uh, reading is at, at nine, between nine and ten. So there's a big jump there. So is your is your have you got a lever on yours, or is yours a switch on the controller? On the, on the IR two point five, we've got the, the little pot. It looks like a I don't know what you call it, a bit like a, vol, a volume pot. But on the um, twelve kg, it's um, electronic, so we choose percentage. Okay, so it's still it's still a movable. It's not it's not a big lever on your IR two. No, 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 no. Okay. Mine was a lever. So yours is a is a variable solenoid valve. Yes, that's right. Okay, mine was literally just a ball valve from like a friggin' tap. Oh, okay, that's dreadful. Um, sorry, but with the with the ball valve, can't you just put in a a, a gauge, and that will that will keep you accurate? You can, but it's, you can, but it's just it's just very annoying because like because gas is such a, a very minor adjustment, you end up like n trying to knock it with your knuckle like half a micron higher to get it to jump two millibar. It's a, you, you, you can't really. Oh, so that's basically what we've got. I think we've got, um, we've definitely got a gauge. So we've got a gauge between, between the actual valve and the burner. Um, and, uh, obviously our, our, we've got a little dial that we turn and that's obviously not quite as sensitive as, as what you're talking about. Cause yeah, we don't have those, we don't have those issues, but. But it just depends. Yeah, it depends. Like a lot of the ball valves on roasters out there are just very, like the the increments are, are very very big. So to go between, like, so generally with roasters you're working anywhere between either zero and twenty millibar or zero and forty or fifty millibar, depending on which roaster you're working on. Um, I mean that is like that is such 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 low pressure. I mean, like you could, I mean. Your sneezes during the scarp freaking thing would have blown the <laughs> gas would have blown the gas gauge completely. It's like it's that much pressure, that little pressure in there. So if you're trying to if you're trying to replicate roast off the roast off the roast, and if you find that twenty two millibar gives you a certain rate of rise, it's a bit of a ball ache if you haven't got a if you haven't got a needle valve because if I mean to get to twenty two, it's like. With a with a with a ball valve that I had was like you might end up twenty four and you like knock it down a little bit and you're down to twenty and you knock it up a little bit and you're up to twenty three and you knock it down a little bit and you're down to fifteen. Yeah. So it's just it's 
Okay, I, yeah. we definitely have more control on ours than that. So, oh, yeah. I get the point. Also, we also work with natural gas. So, I mean, our max pressure is like one millibar. Um, so, yeah, it seems it sounds like it's quite different. Yeah, it's just it's just different. I mean, it's yeah, it's just different. So you need a you need like a bigger. So your your jets on your roaster are slightly bigger than mine because you you your gas pressure is lower. Yeah. Um, to give you the same amount of heat BTU per burner would, um, yeah. yeah, but the exact same thing would yeah. I think I don't know. I just, I just always be more precise in my opinion. Like if you if you can afford to get a needle valve, if you can if you can afford to have better control over something, do it. Um, okay, cool. Um, I think we're going to. I must cut it now. It's getting a bit long. Uh, Craig, thanks for your time. Uh, I uh, we tried to make sure that we get everybody on these podcasts, and somebody had a second turn. So, and really, somebody complained about that. So, I'm not going to mention any names. Oh dear. Yes, because Wayne was allowed two turns, and somebody else wasn't. Well, he's the champ of the moment, so he deserves two turns. Well. I also thought what he had to say was interesting. So, can you speak about? He spoke about um, finding, uh, basically, how to find decent coffee shops when you're traveling, specifically overseas. And then, and then also spoke about um, some other things. Anyway, Cass, you got anything to add? No, uh, just uh, yeah. Thanks, Craig. This is this has been really interesting. Um, do you, so if people phone us and ask, like, oh, how do I get a hold of Craig? Like, they need your advice or whatever. I mean, would you be happy for us to point yeah. them in your direction? Or? Yeah, just email me at uh, craigcharity at lineagecopy.com. Mm-hmm.